Hello everyone, Eric Watson here, freelance writer, player of games, writer board, recorder videos, and at tabletop role-playing aficionado. Welcome to the Thursday edition of my bi-weekly behind-the-scenes DM-only livestream Crafting the Deep, which I build right and prepare for our next session of a Call from the Deep. I do not know who our player characters are going to be just yet, but for all of you, welcome. Of course, there will be spoilers. We stream our sessions live on YouTube every Friday. Watch all of these sessions and reviews here on the channel. You can join our official Discord server with invite link in the description below. If you'd like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. For our campaign, we use Roll20.net for streaming. I use OBS Studio. I was uh, without internet all day yesterday, which really sucked. Uh, we've had, we kind of inherited a problem with the sprinkler system with this house since we moved in a couple months ago. Uh, I won't go into details about it, but uh, it's something that the inspector couldn't catch, didn't catch, and it's just been kind of a, a mess that we've almost like a sunk cost fallacy now at this point. Um, we're on our second person trying to repair it. And then, um, he was literally digging in the front yard and then have, you know, had to leave, came back in the evening and then left again for the evening. We were out uh, at my kid's uh, softball game, which, by the way, she went two for two on hits, literally batting a thousand right now. We're pretty stoked about that first game of the season. And uh, we thought that, OK, we had an Internet outage, so the Internet's been down. And then it was down all day yesterday, which really sucks. I've got a three year old and like, holy shit, I'm not watch TV and stuff is just fucking brutal or play, you know, even internet games uh, or get any of my work done. So uh, finally we had the tech come out and fix it. And he's like, yeah, the, they fucking broke the line. Like your outside line was severed and broken. That's why you don't have internet. So it's like motherfucker. <laughs> I thought these were two unrelated issues, uh, but apparently they were related issues. So thankfully we're back. Uh, I've got a nasty, ugly orange cord going through my, Freaking uh, front yard in my driveway to temporarily right now, but we are back online, and I am here for uh, crafting the deep, in which we are now talking about uh, Sinister Secret of Salt Marsh, which I started talking about uh, on Monday's stream. Uh, even though this is still technically pre-campaign prep, we're doing kind of a closer look at the very intro of the campaign because it's going to require me a lot more work than usual. I have to I have to get these maps ready, uh, make sure tokens are ready because I can't use uh, any of this, uh, let's call it garbage, that is unfortunately included in the VTT version of uh, Sinister Secret and, frankly, Call from the Deep also uh, did not have great maps, which I think in the future, Perry, in all future releases, has had much better uh, quality map art. That's something that uh, he has improved upon. So, talking about the haunted house still, I think we're still talking about the first floor. Um, one problem I ran into that I want to try to address is the fact that the players can walk through the front door, immediately see uh, humanoid tracks. Uh, granted, it's not something I have to call out necessarily. It's something that uh, they would be searching for. But, you know, if they, depending on the information I give them in the, in the beginning and the motivation they have to explore this place, uh, which I'm not sure what that's going to be because that depends on what the player's characters are. And as part of the primer I'm giving them, they're the ones that are going to come up with their reasons for being here uh, and, and who their employer is and what their stuff is at the beginning of the game. So I'll have to kind of come up with that in later crafting streams. But for now, just talking about the actual dungeon layout, if you think to look for humanoid tracks, you can make a DC 10 skill check, see that they go from the entrance hall into this right door here up to area 9, uh, which area 9 has stairs, I believe, leading to the... Uh, is it the second floor, I think, in the back? Scroll. Yeah, it looks like it. Uh, but the tracks themselves, which there's a bunch of giant centipedes here, and yes, the giant weasels uh, in the uh, front yard are apparently a fan favorite from a lot of you are really stoked about having giant weasels attack the party. <laughs> um, don't fuck with that vegetable garden. But the tracks then lead to area 10, which has stairs down to the cellar, and then you get to the cellar, and that's basically where the the bulk of like the main quest stuff is. So I'm a little worried. We can read about the cellar and see if I can maybe throw up a a key or a locked door or something just to try to slow the progress down because I don't think this adventure works as well if the players immediately beeline to the cellar and thus discover everything before we get a chance to actually do all the cool build-up and, like, you know, fake horror stuff and having the Ned character, you know, be uh, bound and gagged and they find him, like, all of that is stuff I want to be able to run, but that we need to motivate or gently encourage the players to explore the house before they actually make it to here. I could also just eliminate the tracks. I mean, I, you know, obviously I can do whatever I want to that end, but 
I don't know. I, I kind of like the idea of giving them an idea of where they need to go, but hopefully there's some kind of a locked door or something I can come up with. Somebody suggested even just lock the front door, uh, which maybe a, I mean, they can pick the lock if they've got the right player character. Um, and B, they can get into any of these windows, but at least that's a little more interesting having to, you know, break the window glass and climb through or something. By the way, if you're wondering why I have a swimmer of crustaceans <laughs> right here, they serve as my uh, literal uh, eyes uh, as they've got vision turned on. So I make sure dynamic lighting is working on this map since I'm having to uh, throw it all together. <laughs> so welcome to the swarm of crustaceans. Um, I also need to grab all the other things on the GM layer. Let's see. Uh, mainly the numbers. We've got... Rooms five and six, right there. Choom, choom. And then we'll do the other side. My map uh, area is kind of a mess because I had to, I had to add the actual Ghost of Saltmarsh stuff, kind of one at a time, uh, as individual modules, and then I just kind of put them in there, maybe like alphabetically or something. So unfortunately, it's all kind of disorganized now. So two, three, four. And there's a secret over here somewhere, which I don't think is... I mean, it's good it's not visible on the map, but um, since this is map art, I don't have anything, obviously, on the GM layer or lighting layer or anything like that. So I'll have to uh, put all that together myself. By the way, hello, James, CG, uh, Nick, Mad Mage. Make the tracks a passive perception check. Raise the DC if you need to. Um, by passive perception, do you mean I could allow players just by walking in the hallway that they could notice the tracks if their passive perception is high enough? Because I could do that. That makes it even easier for them, however, uh, versus them actively looking for tracks. I kind of like the idea that, um, well, it depends. I mean, that's something that if they've explored a lot of the house and they're wondering where to go, then I start being like, okay, now you're noticing tracks and stuff. Um, but that's not some information I would necessarily volunteer before they've explored more of the house, I guess. I do like the idea of just locking this front door, though. That seems like something, especially if it's being used as a, um, as an actual smuggler den. I, I don't know, it just makes sense that it would be locked. Although, if the players end up, like, getting the deed or something, then maybe they'd have, maybe they'd win the key. So even though I could literally put it as locked, they might be able to just open it. I don't know. A, a lot of this is kind of up in the air again because I don't know exactly what... You know, are they are they going to be here, in other words, to explore it as a haunted mansion because they've been tasked with that? Or did they get it because they're trying to open a new uh, base and this is the only thing they could afford? So they're just going here to clear it out and they've only heard rumors that it's dilapidated or something. So I don't know, like, exactly um, how we're going to spin that yet. But in the meantime, uh, so, but that's something I have to think about is the order in which I want to be able to do the tracks and get them into that room. But meanwhile, we can talk about the other areas. So the entrance hall, which has the balcony, has a collapsed section of balcony, which is actually the second floor, I think. So I guess we'll talk about that um, when we get up to the second floor. Uh, library in room two which is down here in the lower left. I guess it does have a back door here. Is that actually described in room one? Staircase, you close next story. Third corridor leads east. Another corridor leads toward the... It really doesn't say anything about that. Because there is a door here, right? This is supposed to be a door and not a window. Let me check the original map. So I wonder how much the players want to explore the outside of this place. Yeah, I think that's supposed to be a door versus a window. And then there's a door here in room four. I think that one is mentioned as having a little uh, patio area. All right, so library, partially ruined, still legible. Most of the books are dull histories, collection of romantic poems, and so forth. Three are quite noteworthy because the the backstory here is supposed to be an alchemist so the third volume is a lies a piece of parchment torn from a larger sheet containing a few lines of handwritten text in the common tongue damn it's well it's only two words are legible beyond skeletons 
So somebody actually wrote in the book as a clue. The books can be sold for seven gold each. That's pretty solid. That's actually pretty solid loot for, like, low-level players. Jeez, three books worth seven gold each? So, two's got some treasure. That's good that they're not... My, my worry is a lot of these rooms are empty, so I do want to um, have some stuff there to interact with. And does it say that you're supposed to kind of fuck with them throughout, or are these, are these scripted events? I don't know if there's a separate like sidebar or something. Not really. Cause some uh some of the like creepy adventures they'll include like, hey, throughout the dungeon you should be doing this, this, and this. Uh but I think this one it's more like during very specific uh rooms of the dungeon, you trigger certain events. Like I know at the top of the stairs when they get to room ten, that triggers like a horrible scream. So maybe it's just during certain uh, sections. Maybe someone changed the lock on the door. Yeah. Hopefully they don't do something boring and just like, all right, shrug and like turn and rock back, try to get the key. <laughs> Normally adventurers do the better adventure -y thing and not the common person thing. We're saying, oh, the key doesn't work. I guess we'll turn around and ask the people in charge. All right, so the treasure is in... It might be fun to put like a little low-level scroll in there if people roll really good on investigation. Maybe they find a scroll tucked away some someplace in here. You can't put too much loot because this place is being used as like a lair for bandits and smugglers. So presumably they would have gotten into everything except the stuff that's in where these skeletons are still hanging out, which is on the cellar level. But everywhere else, like it, you would, it wouldn't make sense to have like a treasure chest sitting somewhere. In other words, it'd have to be some really hidden ass stuff uh, for treasure. And I mean, it's a also, your first little dungeon, so I didn't want to throw too much in there, but you know me, I gotta fucking put some treasure. Uh, room three, the study, which does look looted. Drawers uh, forced open, although one of them has not been opened. Central drawers locked and be opened by a character who succeeds on a DC 10 dex check using thieves' tools. Valueless documents written in common, receipts for purchase of various chemicals and laboratory equipment. You have to make another check to uncover a small secret compartment, which does include two doses of potions of healing. Hmm. That's a lot of work to do. I have to do two checks to find the thing. But, uh, so potential loot in here, but also very missable. A lock drawer and a secret compartment. Morning, Nate. Hope you're well. Yeah, that's a good secret loot stash. Gems under a floorboard. I mean, so far we're actually doing not too bad on the treasure front, so we'll see if we're lacking. The living area, number four. A door in the north wall leads onto a small patio. The pavement cracked and overrun with weeds. Other than a pile of refuse in the southeastern corner, the room is bare. Is there an Achug in the refuge? No, there's not. A secret trap door in the northern half of the room leads to the cellar, which is there's nothing even close to describing a trap door. Okay, so the players would have no idea. One of the sets of tracks found in area one leads to the trap door. I'm sorry, what? I completely missed that. One of the sets of tracks? There's multiple sets of tracks. Oh shit. Alright. We need to read better. <laughs> I know read good. A character who succeeds on a successful DC-10 intelligence or survival investigation or survival check finds two sets of recently made humanoid tracks. One set of tracks travels from the entryway toward Area 9, which is the one we've been talking about that immediately just goes around this corner and then eventually goes to the cellar through the stairs through Area 10. The second leads away from the foot of the stairs... Travels from the entryway. This is the entryway. From the foot of stairs. So you're talking about the... F I hate that number one includes this whole hallway. I feel like we're getting two different descriptions here. So the other set of stairs... Or, sorry, tracks is actually not until here. Leads away from the foot of the stairs. And along the western corridor toward area four. So that would be two... 
Although it says you can make one check to find two sets of tracks. Hmm. I feel like, is there like a footprint? Um, what am I looking for? Tracks. Is there something I can use to put on the GM layer for my dumbass so I can remember? Yes, I, I need tire tracks game. Thank you. Yeah, there we go. Bear tracks. Yeah, railroad tracks. Let's put those in there. <laughs> I'm just going to put these on the GM layer just so I have something on my end. Those are very clearly like animal tracks. These are just from the free section. Yeah, let's just put these just so I know. One is there. Let's put you on the GM layer. Well, I gotta be careful about maneuvering things on the GM layer then. Tracks. Sort of like that. Just so I've got that information. There we go. Okay, and then same thing here. I'm gonna put tracks going here, then going here. Bear tracks. So that's what I didn't want to have happen is too many things on the GM layer conflicting with themselves. More layers, more layers. Something like that. That looks really shitty when it's blown up that much, but whatever. Alright, so hopefully that'll help me as the GM. Open up and go back to... Where were we? Number four... So the tracks do, so with just one check, you can see both tracks and see where they lead. That seems kind of bullshit. That'd probably be two different checks. To me, the characters didn't notice the tracks in area one. I'll make another check, pick up the trail in this room. The trapdoor can be spotted by a character makes a successful investigation check. Why would you know to make the, I guess you're just checking every room meticulously maybe. Sambalette has cast a magic mouth spell on the trap door. When a creature comes within five feet of it, so whether they would know it's there or not, the spell is triggered, causing the falling message to be spoken aloud in a level and voice. Welcome fools, welcome to our deaths. Booming fiendish laughter follows the spoken message. And then each creature's message must make a DC 12 wisdom save. A creature has disadvantage on ability checks for one hour unless it's near the frightened condition. Okay, that at least has some consequences because a lot of them I see that are like out of combat stuff and you're frightened for the next minute like all right well that's good for like immersiveness but it doesn't actually do anything mechanically because we'll just wait around for a minute but one hour on disadvantage ability checks that's a little bit better at your discretion the smuggler in the cellar below the trap door might notice the magic mouth being triggered the smugglers become aware of the characters investigate prepare themselves for the intruders which is there's a good chance the players are gonna trigger something that's going to make everybody below the house aware that they're there. So already there's two different paths you can get to the cellar, and there's two different sets of tracks you can find that can lead you to the cellar. Also, it doesn't say the cellar is, or that sorry, the trap door is locked. We'll see what position that puts people in on that one. Living area number five, which is the other side. How long has this campaign been going? It's felt like so long, so long, in fact, that it hasn't even started yet. <laughs> I've been running these crafting streams for a few weeks now as we prepare for the campaign. Uh, but this one will officially begin session zero uh, next Friday. This Friday, we're going to wrap up our little Tomb of Horrors mini campaign. And then next Friday, our plan is to jump right in with session zero as we build our characters. Then session one will be the Friday after that, so September 15th. So five is full of mushrooms. That's weird. 
Oh man, this is one of those things that I look at and be like, okay, moving on. And then the players will be like, oh, we got to investigate the shit out of this for like 20 minutes. It's like, why would there be mushrooms here? What's going on with the mushrooms? It just says the mushrooms are harmless. <laughs> There's just nothing going on with the mushrooms. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a time waster for the players to deal with. Otherwise, it's completely empty. Oh, but maybe not. A character who searches the chimney of the fireplace discovers a loose stone about three feet above the top of the fireplace that conceals a small cavity uh, with no check required. Inside the cavity is a small leather pouch containing two cut pieces of blue quartz. If somebody can brave the mushrooms, which are, as we said, harmless. Okay. And then number six, another living area. I know, it feels like you should do something with these mushrooms, right? Um, yeah, some kind of, not hypnotic pattern, but like the irresistible dance effect or something. What was it? What was it that we had in Tomb of Annihilation where players, um, was that just like a mad monkey mist effect where they would, it's just like hallucinogenic? <laughs> I feel like you could do something fun there. Have it be like harmless, but just maybe weird. I don't know. Now, I will say my players will be level two and not level one when they start this adventure. So we can go a little bit harder on everything. We could trigger, you know, make sure more of the monsters are triggered. Add a few other effects. I don't want to go too hard because it's only level two, but uh, they will be level two for the majority or for this entire dungeon, I guess. I don't remember if you get to be level three before or after the sea ghost. Actually, I think it's after, but I'm not quite sure. Because I think normally you'd be level one for the house, and then you'd level up to two for the sea ghost, and then you'd be level three after completing uh, this module. So they'll just be level two for a little bit longer instead of being level one. And partly I'm going to make them describe the adventure that got them to level two. Six. Uh, the floor in the room above is weaker than elsewhere. Fact visible to anyone who looks up and makes a successful DC 15 perception check. There's nothing else of note here. So six is also an empty room. Uh, seven, the dining room is empty. See, it's a lot of empty rooms. And eight, the withdrawing room. Should this be a drawing room? The withdrawing room. This is where we withdraw to, I guess. All right. Um... Yeah, it's your, uh, well, it's a den. I guess I call it a den. Armchairs near a fireplace. God, this place has like a million fireplaces. I guess that's the way you keep warm in a big house. Without electricity. The character's using a perception check, finds a stone out of place in the chimney above the fireplace. Removing the stone reveals a hidden compartment. Additionally, characters approach the fireplace knows a collection of mouse, bo mouse bones spilling out from the hearth. A swarm of spiders lurks in the crevices of the fireplace and chimney. Now, swarms can be very dangerous at low levels. Spiders flood forth with obvious irritation when creature moves within five feet of the fireplace. So they are guarding the fireplace specifically. And there's another compartment. 30 copper and two small pouches of alchemical powers, 5 GP each. So pretty minor treasure for what could be a pretty nasty battle. Because the thing about swarms is they effectively have twice as many hit points... For low-level characters, because they have straight-up damage resistance to, uh, like, martial weapons. Now, obviously, you can hit them with uh, magic cantrips or magic spells and do a lot more damage. And their damage is halved when you do enough damage to them. But uh, at low, And they only have a plus 3 to hit. But 44 can be pretty scary. Uh, I'm definitely going to use them, though. But, yeah, if they just get near the fireplace, that will trigger... Swarm of spiders. Also, if they if I end up having this door locked and they come through this place and start moving around and exploring everything, getting over to the fireplace, then boom, these spiders are going to usher forth and we're going to start what could be one of our first combats of the campaign. The swarm of angry spiders. Uh, kitchen, which is where I think we already skipped there for on Monday's stream. Uh, that's where the tracks lead. There's stairs going up. There's a door into the scullery. And there are four giant centipedes Nesting under the sink. And specifically, all these little areas are supposed to be only if they jack with their specific areas. So the snakes in the well, the weasels in the garden, 
centipedes in the sink, the spiders in the swarm. It sounds like a children's book, a really messed up one. The swarm of spiders in the fireplace. You know, all of these are creatures, they're just animals defending their territory, and their territories are fairly tiny. But as a DM, I could enlarge that territory if I need more combat to happen. So it's kind of a nice uh, barracks to have, I guess, a bunch of creatures waiting that uh, aren't milling about on the token layer and would necessarily be aggroed to each other, in other words, but that I can use as I need to in these different areas. And some maybe can be more aggressive than others, depending on how much combat I want to throw at the players. I imagine once they jack with the first thing in here and a, and a bad thing comes out, they may be less inclined to jack with stuff, which would be interesting depending on the order in which they jack with stuff. So if they, it, this, this fireplace, for example, had a swarm of spiders in it. Maybe the other one, they're like, fuck these mushrooms. Or in the, you know, the drawer thing, they're like, fuck that. There's going to be like some kind of nasty scorpion in there or something. <laughs> Versus if they get the loot out of everything and then they'll be more, they will, the opposite of the fact, they'll be more inclined to uh, mess with all these different areas and then all the critters will pop out and then number 10 let's see just has the stairs with another magic mouth on it so so far both magic mouths that are supposed to be creepy and scare the players both lead to the cellar in areas four and ten so there's nothing right now all the things lead them to the cellar there's no reason for them to go to the upper floor except there are two sets of stairs that go upstairs I think we finished the lighting upstairs, but I may need to check it with my handy dandy swarm of crustaceans just to make sure everything looks correct. So we can see down all the ways there's windows. We're looking. I could put like dynamic lighting here, but I don't actually mind the kind of black void. I think it creates more of an open space. So I think I'm okay with it. Um, you do have to kind of make a, a hard blocker there, though, so they don't see the other map. Some creepy hallways. Come play with us. And then we go up. Yeah, everything looks good. I didn't really block those stairs, but I didn't see a reason to because those are the stairs that go down from here. You need to grab the numbers. Let's get to the numbers. So we've got 16, 17, and 18 up here. And then we've got, let's see, 11 and 12. It's a big ass house. Almost, almost too big for how kind of empty it is. I, I get that it's more realistic, but I think specifically when you're playing on a VTT also, and you're exploring these different spaces, you know, physically moving tokens around, I think it's a little big. Okay, I think that's all the rooms. Is it a down staircase? <laughs> Then upstairs, right? I think I can actually access the soundboard unless I'm in the channel. Uh, in the voice channel. Maybe there's a another way to do it. Alright, so upstairs. What do we got? Which they could... I, I think they can get there upstairs also if they go through a window. They can just, you know, whatever climbing thing. I don't even know if there's a... See if it's in the house exterior. 35 feet tall from ground level to roof peak. The stone wall is, or sorry, that's the wall outside the garden. Garden, the well, it doesn't actually say like the walls of the house. So, I mean, they could just, I don't know if there's a check for climbing a wall and getting through an upstairs window, that could be entertaining. They're not gonna have a lot of, uh, Utility spells here at this low level. I'm all for splitting the party, though. Uh, where does this one start? 11. Upper floor. A moldering bedroom. 
Let's see. Floorboards are missing. Rubbish scattered around. There's a wooden wardrobe. The only thing of note. A pair of old cracked leather boots with no value and a ragged stained cloak hang on a peg. Cloak is tooled with a design of coiling ivy leaves and appears harmless, but the inner folds are covered in yellow mold. So the wardrobe itself is fine. One of the loot pieces, though, is a straight-up trap. I don't want to open another window, no. Uh, I think yellow mold is pretty nasty. That just seems kind of cruel, but yeah, there's nothing in there. Maybe somebody will just see, like, oh, I take the I take the cloak as a fun thing. And the DM's like, ho, 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 you fool. Enjoy this yellow mold you have now. Make a DC 15 con save or take 2d10 poison damage and become poisoned for one minute. And then take an additional 1d10 poison damage at the start of each of its turns. That cloak will fucking kill you. Goodness. Presumably you can... Well, shit, I would say you could take the cloak off, but I don't know if that would actually stop the effect. I think the poison would just grab you. That would be embarrassing to be hit unconscious because you just wanted to wear a cloak that looked cool. <laughs> Cause of death? I grabbed a cloak. That looked nice, but was actually just a dick. Not even a cloaker, not even a monster cloak or a mimic, just yellow mold. Decrepit bedroom. Would decrepit be better than moldering? I don't know. I feel like those are pretty much the same thing. I guess moldering is specifically be like a wetness to it. Decrepit, maybe doesn't have to be as wet. There's nothing of note here. All right. So this whole western half is just bullshit. Same as the eastern half of the other one, I guess. Although the uh, the one fireplace had some treasure in it beyond the mushrooms. 13, the guest bedroom, which is neither decrepit nor moldering. You can see a glint of light in the fireplace from a small, highly reflective object. And it's covered in webs. So automatically the players are going, nope, and closing that door. At least I fucking would. Two swarms of spiders infest this room. Let's bring out my spiders. Of course they do. One swarm descends on anyone who approaches the fireplace, and the other descends from the webs above the door a moment later. Okay, those. Both wash down the walls with the muffled clatter of thousands of tiny legs. The glint inside the fireplace comes from a small crystal bauble worth five silver. Man! This is just... <laughs> That's so crappy. You fought probably the hardest battle in the house, not including the cellar, and all I got was a small crystal bauble. Ultimately, neither particularly valuable nor useful. Might be a part of a set of similar crystals, uses counterweights and alchemical work. Fantastic. What if somebody mage hands it? I guess I'd probably still disturb the spiders, but at least you wouldn't be in the middle of them. Man, that feels cruel, but might have to. So so far, I'm not changing anything. I, I looks like I'm I'm running everything pretty much as I'm reading it. I don't feel like I need to inject a whole lot of treasure into this for even though the players are level two. But I mean, whatever they'll be level two anyway by the end of this dungeon. Crumbling bedroom. Is that better than moldering and decrepit? It's evident the floor here does not look safe. You straight up say that as part of the room description. Some of the floorboards are missing and others are partially dislodged. So you even give them a giant clue. I appreciate your art bear also. Look at these. This floorboard does look pretty jacked up. <laughs> Anyone who enters the room with reasonable care can avoid moving into the part of the floor. That is sagging and damaged. I assume there's a certain part of the floor that I should be... Uh... Oh, interesting. It's just labeled like that, maybe? I would have thought they would have done, like, the little hashed dotted line with the T in the middle to denote trap. But not so much. I'll have to do that myself. Do it myself. Is there a... What if I just search trap? Can you help me out with this roll 20? 
I just need like literally. That's really not gonna do this. Or I could do a, a pit. I guess I should have searched pit. Yeah, I'm gonna go with extra unreasonable care. <laughs> Nobody's walking through. Or are you default walking through a haunted mansion with reasonable care? I would think so. But you know, I I'm not gonna presume the players. Some of them may be uh, heedless barbarians or something. Who knows? A successful DC-10 investigation or survival check enables a character to detect recent tracks that lead from the door to the window and back again along the west edge of the room. Recent tracks that lead from the door to the window and back. So across the room. Okay. Why? Clues at the window. A combination of the position of the house and the topography of the cliff results in the room providing the best views of the sea from any part of the house. And it's from here the smugglers signal to their colleagues out at sea. Okay. You can successfully make an investigation check. It's going to be interesting how forthright I should be with all of these tracks and clues versus letting the players explore each space themselves. Because I feel like you would just miss all these tracks and things if you didn't specifically say, hey, I'm going to search for, you know, tracks in the in the ground. And especially because none of the tracks were upstairs. Like, suddenly you just see tracks again. It's not like you've been falling the whole time. There were downstairs. And something I've been doing is putting tracks on the GM layer just to help me as a reminder to myself that these are here. Unfortunately, this is going to be tricky because I want these on the GM layer, but I also want a trap thing on the GM layer. So maybe instead, move the tracks. In fact, it makes sense the tracks would not be on the pit. And they would be like that. I don't ever plan on showing these, by the way. They're not, you know, great looking tracks, but these are just for my notes, I think. Go do uh, check out Bear's uh, Patreon, by the way. Really great map art. I think it's patreon.com slash beargardener. Uh, who has provided these maps right here that you're looking at. They are awesome, and I'm so thankful to have them. Because as you see me flipping back and forth between the old maps, they are not acceptable for VTT. Um, however, I need to come up. Let's just search for pit. Maybe I should search by token. Yeah, so it's like right here. It'd be kind of nice if I could just put a little pit. Yeah, like this one. A pit of snakes. Um, just something that opens up from my point of view. I was hoping I, I don't have anything else in my library. That's crazy. I must have just used regular pit stuff. Just a pit, folks. Just a pit. Uh, with wood? Can I have it be a wood pit? Well, it's not even... It, it's just a pit to the lower floor. There we go. What about this one? That might work. Uh, the tracks left on the floor where the smugglers represent the only safe place to walk in the room. Each time a medium or larger creature moves off this safe trail into the shaded area on the map, must succeed on a DC 12 deck saver, fall 10 feet through the floor, landing in area 6. So, just to make sure we've got that right. Looks like we're... Okay, so this is the safe zone. So that's got to be a safe zone since clearly they can make it inside the door. So on the right side, the one, two, three, four. We'll call that four squares here. And then one, two, three squares. So can we actually embiggen this or should we make it a small? Let's make it small because it'll be individual squares that can fall. So we'll go... Boom, boom, boom. We'll do these four. Ah, oh, see my track. My track art's gonna get in the way. 
Let's see, can I make it smaller? These ones right here. Does that look right? I'm trying to do it by squares specifically. I can always obviously modify things if I'm like, oh, I really want to trigger the trap here. It's kind of a classic floor puzzle trap where there's like a certain safe place to go. And it might be one of those things where they just start walking in, uh, they fall into a hole, and then then they start making investigation checks. And I'm like, okay, now you can see that there's tracks <laughs> that you couldn't see before because your DM uh, is delighted at you falling through the floor. I know, and I honestly, I hate when I could go off on entire rants, and I have during reviews of official 5e releases that don't have good VTT-ready maps, because I'm like, I, I know some people don't care, and they're just running, you know, through the mind, or they're using on graph paper or whatever, but you're, if it's a Wizards of the Coast release, like, f you should be having awesome, because... If people don't care, then they're not going to care about the good color maps anyway. And then the people do care, they're like, yay, color maps, you know. It's just unacceptable to me that we don't get good quality map art with official 5e book releases. That's insane. All right, so we've got our traps there at 14. So 14 is actually kind of a cool, interesting room. And then 15 is also going to be interesting because that's where Ned is. Ned's dead, baby. Actually, it's not. The door of this room is locked. That's the first locked door we've had in the entire house. Automatically sus. The key to the room has been left rather obviously in the hallway outside the room. It can be spotted by someone who makes a successful perception check. Or the door can be open using thieves tools. The decayed bedroom. I like each one is a slightly different adjective. The decayed, the decrepit, the moldering, the crumbling, and the guest bedroom. <laughs> Clad only in undergarments and appears to have no weapons or equipment. Is there 14 when it enters the room with reasonable care? Can avoid moving to the floor. Okay, so this is got uh, more of a danger zone in it. Maybe less of one, though. One, two, three. I might do four and then these three, I think. For danger. Let's see what the map art looks like. Maybe it's only three. Yeah, maybe it's only three. Kind of have to just make a choice on that, don't you? So maybe just a little three by three section here is the danger zone. Boy, what the hell kind of artwork do they use for Ned? That is a drow. That is, you can't just throw a drow in there, man. This is the token art they chose? I don't think Ned Shakeshaft is. Yeah, he's just a spy stat block. Remain on the inside of the adventure summary. Does it actually say what he's supposed to be? I assume he's supposed to be a human. You can't just throw in a drow stat block and not expect that to be like a huge fucking topic of conversation. Man on the inside. Merchant Saltmarsh property looks to Assemblad is taking advantage to ensure the smuggling operation continues. The merchant sent a local thug, Ned Shakeshaft, to the house to wait the characters in a remote bedroom on the first floor. Ned pretends to have been knocked out, gagged, bound, and left to die by unseen attackers for being rescued by the characters. He aims to sow descent. It actually doesn't say anything about him uh, in terms of his race and stuff. Cause accidents and otherwise make trouble as they explore the house. More information on Ned and how to incorporate them to be found in Area 15. Okay. Uh, let's see, does it continue to be rescued? He's a pretty good idea where his clothes are, but he has to escort. Why would he have a pretty good idea where his clothes are? He'll be asked to be escorted to Area 17 to retrieve them. Ned has no other possessions except for a single dose of basic poison. He is concealed in the waistband of his undergarments. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> it specifically said he's in his undergarments. Uh, is he getting a pat down? Because he's gonna have to explain that. Uh, I guess you could always have fun with it. Like, oh yeah, they gave it to me, and in case I freed myself, I. Or maybe, maybe, maybe he, maybe he claims it's a potion of healing if they find it. That'd be pretty funny. 
I managed to keep that in there. Oh, the secret potion of healing. And it tells the characters he's a traveler from Seton. I'll have to change that. Who entered the house the previous night to find a place to sleep during his journey to Saltmarsh, where he hoped to find work as an adventurer. She's just squatting here? That's a shitty backstory. He entered through the back door and had only reached the kitchen when he was attacked from behind and knocked unconscious. He woke some hours ago. He did not see his attackers, nor he heard any sounds in the house. He'd like to be released to the characters in their mission. They have given some thought to preparing the story, did you now? It is not possible for the characters to discern Ned's true motives. Indeed, to add verisimilitude to the story, Ned has a lump on the back of his head, inflicted with sadistic delight by the merchant before Ned left his company. Interesting. So, yeah, this is so it's a tricky thing to pull off in D&D, isn't it? Even even at a low level. Um, and clearly the character's going to want to incite the hell out of this. Unfortunately, it doesn't actually say like what any kind of insight skill checks would be, or if he has, as a, as a spy, does he have a good deception check? He does, a plus five. So you could either have him roll deception, or you could treat that as a DC 15 for insight purposes. Also, a spy is, is kind of a legit little stat block for level twos. Dude's got multi-attack. Sneak attack, although he'd probably only get sneak attack off once unless he attacks, uh, which would be ideal when the party gets to... I was hoping he was in league with the actual... Is, is he not in league with the smugglers? I thought he was. I can make him in league with the smugglers, I guess. Ned wants to move the characters into abandoning their mission. He tries to achieve this by playing up the dangers of this place and causing accidents as they explore. The closer the characters get to discovering the truth about the smugglers, the more desperate he becomes. When it becomes clear, he can't warn the characters off. He'll try to ambush them with a poisoned weapon during a fight against other creatures. So, has anybody had any uh, experience using Ned? I could just use this. Or is this a dwarf-looking guy? This kind of look like a dwarf. I guess I could use him. Bandit too. Um, any experience using this particular character and how that went? I'm gonna have to find my own token art for him. That clearly can't be Ned. <laughs> I don't want to use an existing one either, so they don't meta knowledge and like, oh, that's the spy token. <laughs> I'll come up with something. I mean, it's a cool element to hear for sure. But I'll need to make sure it fits my particular use of this module. But that means... Yeah, somebody's been spying on the party or they were involved with it. Maybe the person they bought this from, they didn't want to give it up. And you're insta-killed a PC when he backstabbed them. Holy shit. <laughs> I could see that. I mean, if you if you have the element of surprise, it means you've got a surprise round. And if you've... I would even give somebody advantage if they just did not expect that attack at all or if he was hiding or something. And then, yeah, sneak attack is an extra 2d6 because you're going to have... You would have advantage. So that opening hit could be pretty brutal. And he's got multi-attack. And he's got cunning action, so he could always disengage and flee after doing an initial attack. It's honestly kind of a cool, low-level, pain-in-the-ass stat block for the players to deal with. Fascinating. And yet, the weird thing is, the players could also make it through this whole dungeon and never see Ned, because he's, he's up in this random-ass corner of a bedroom. Like, it's such a weird place to put him when you want him to be found by the players, right? Like, you'd think he would be more... I don't know, one of the downstairs rooms at the very least, like one of those little rooms, like um, one of these areas, like the dining room or something. So the players, um, and maybe even they hear like muffled voices, which is him crying out, because he wants to be, you know, the whole plan is for him to be found. And uh, so fear and discord within the party. And yet you put him like in this corner behind a locked door. I guess that's supposed to incentivize the players. I just worry that we're never going to find Ned. Finding Ned. Saltmar story. 
Yeah, it does say he's gagged, but I feel like he would... And that could add to the horror, too. You hear, like, maybe some moans or something coming, you know, upstairs. Like you'd be able to hear that. Maybe he's, like, uh, you know, his legs are kicking the floor. So from downstairs, you hear a thumping sound from upstairs. That, that'd be pretty effective. Just to try to lead the players. To finding Ned, because I, I definitely want to use him. I feel like he would be in league with the smugglers. He probably is. I just need to read more of the backstory. Uh, let's see. Also upstairs is three more rooms. A big upstairs. Oh, we do need to revisit the, the trap in uh, area one, I guess, technically. It's still one. Which is the balcony about ten feet west of the top of the stairs. A section of the balcony, the shaded area in the map, collapses under the weight of any creature attempting to cross it. So basically, you try to get to any, if you try to get to 11, 12, 16, 17, or 18. Creature must succeed on DC 12 deck save or fall 10 feet to the floor below. The collapsed section of the balcony leaves a 7 foot wide gap, must be crossed to reach the rest of the floor. So, another, uh, was that just a 1d6 trap because you're falling 10 feet? And that is right here, just a single square. Use my same little trap map. Oh, oops, not on that level. This level. Nope, not the map level. The GM level. Damn it. There we go. Right here. It's a little bit of a pit right there. So that one they should trigger. Because that doesn't look like it's... I don't think there was a bunch of description about crumbling. It does say the balcony rail is broken in several places. But uh, the balcony itself was fine, so that's just kind of a sudden, whoa. Yeah, thumping the floor. Yep, we're in the same thing. Like Sean Bean. <laughs> are we, are we already, we're already uh, fabricating voices. <laughs> I don't know if I can do specific British accents. I just watched Attack the Block last night. Uh, we always do a date night, movie night, once a week on Wednesdays, and I and I live tweet my movies on Twitter. Um, and that was on Amazon Prime, so we watched that. He was uh, kind of famous for being, I think, John Boyega's first film when he was like twenty or something, and it's uh, extremely thick, like London British accents. Like they're supposed to be teenage gangsters. Um, and it, their, their accents were so thick and they spoke so fast that I almost had to turn on subtitles. <laughs> it was very impressive to listen to. Uh, good movie, by, by the way. It was it was kind of a classic, almost like 80s, like Critters-esque monster movie. But actually had like, you know, fun characters, really good character development. Uh, Boyega was great. The effect, I mean, you could tell it was low budget, but they did a really good use of their budget I think like the monsters themselves were creepy yet killable so uh, very very fun movie but man those accents holy moly <laughs> and of course I'm also watching the boys with uh, Carl, Carl Urban during uh, doing uh, that British accent for Butcher <laughs> I love he shows up one point to I forget what they're supposed to take place I guess New York and uh, one of the FBI guys or police are like, what's with your accent? And Harvin's <laughs> butcher just replies like, nothing, what's with yours? <laughs> All right, going to 16. Yeah, Nick Frost, that's funny too. He's like the weed dealer. One of my favorite parts of the movie is... Um, they have it's it's it was made in uh like ten years ago or something, so I guess they had phones, but nobody like, thinks to like watch the news or anything. And obviously, it's so low budget, they don't I don't think do any of that. So there's this basically alien invasion going on, um, kind of low key alien invasion, I guess. And instead of like turning on the news or trying to get information, they call their weed dealer, who is Nick Frost, uh, who's best known with the oh, fuck the other guy I can't remember. Uh, the Shaun of the Dead. It's that whole team that did Hot Fuzz and all those movies. Really, really good, funny movies. 
And uh, he's just got like binoculars and he's looking out his window, like giving them updates on stuff. I thought that was hilarious. And uh, Jodie Whittaker, I believe, became um, Doctor Who, I think. is that Was that her big thing? So good casting in that movie, I guess. Jeez. 16 is The Alchemist's Bedroom. It's got a large wooden chest, which is neither trapped nor has treasure in it. How disappointing. But again, makes sense. This place would have been looted. Most of it would have been looted. Simon Pegg, thank you. Simon Pegg, by the way, also in The Boys, weirdly enough. Uh, not doing his usual British accent, which fucking threw me off because I think anything he's been in, he's just been his normal British. I mean, he's in the Mission Impossible movies, right? Like a bunch of them. And he does not do that in The Boys. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, is that Simon Pegg? I think it is. Simatine is the box room. What else are you going to call it? Three broken wooden chairs, two splintered wooden buckets, and a mildewed sack. It's another empty room. Why does he know his clothes are here? Clothes on the floor belong to Ned Shakespeare. Augment every 15. That part's kind of confusing me. Because it said he was knocked out in the other area. That's Yeah, that's weird. I don't know why he would know his clothes are here. Doesn't it say he had an idea where his clothes are? He has a pretty good idea where his clothes are. I'll be asked to escort it to Area 17 to retrieve them. I don't know why he would know that. I feel like you, you don't want to do anything that sounds suspicious. Uh, and then 18 is the landing, which is the other way you can get upstairs. So actually, if you went upstairs this way, you would not trigger the trap unless you go to the eastern half. So just this one trap just divides the eastern and western halves of the upstairs, I suppose. Which, there's stairs to an attic, but it's broken. So all this upper area is kind of empty. It's a bummer. Um, I don't think the attic has its own map. It just says a group of six Sturges nest in the attic, in the rafters of the attic. They send the party an opportune moment, revealing themselves after the characters enter the attic. Am I right that there's no map for the attic, though? Wait, no, there should be. It says area 19. Uh, where is the attic then? Maybe it's under cellars and caves? Or maybe it's really not on the map. Possibly it's not mapped. Hmm. That's true. Yeah, it's in Star Trek. Yeah, the, the reboot Star Trek, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm not a big Star Trek fan. Never have been. Um, and I thought the films were fine. Yeah, I don't think there's any kind of map for the attic. So in that case, I would just have the Sturges... Maybe if they come near these stairs or something. Or come upstairs. Yeah, somehow they get near this side, I could have the Sturges, which 6 is kind of excessive. I mean, I don't think we need I could just I could just use this map as you could just have the I could just have the attic has been so collapsed and destroyed that maybe there's only like little bits and pieces peeking through and if somebody tries to like walk up and stick their head in that's where the Sturges maybe they hear some sounds and flutterings um, again adding to the horror of it all and then you can have these things pop out and attack I forget they do only have two hit points though so no I think I'm, I think I'm okay with there being no map for here Apparently, Urban's accent in The Boys is really bad. You know, I've heard a lot of people complain about bad accents and in various things. Like, I think Don Cheadle's British accent in uh, Ocean's Eleven is also supposed to be really bad. Um, I don't honestly have it. And you know what? As, as, a, as I am from uh, Texas, which is southern U.S., although we have a very different accent from the southern U.S., uh, I will say Nicolas Cage in Con Air is supposed to have a very bad southern accent as well. I just don't have a problem with anybody's bad accents. I have never been offended by bad accents. I I think people doing accents can be very fun. Um, I, I guess there are, like, 
offensive caricatures you could do of accents that would be not good. But I I don't know if I could. I I can't think of any offhand. I'm I'm sure they exist. But even like if people are genuinely trying to do accents, and I say this is obviously somebody who DMs and tries to do accents. Um, I, I think I think they can be a lot of fun. And sometimes you you purposely want to make almost a uh, not reprehensible a uh, an accent that's uh, that that people don't want to interact with too, or, or end up being like oh not this fucking guy. Uh, case in point, my like Boston my talking fox who had a very bad like Boston accent. Again, most of my accents are bad. Like that, <laughs> that's just part of it. Um, I am not a voice actor, but I am earnest in my uh, desire to bring characters to life. I will say that. And I think that is really what people engage with. And I'll say that it's, you know, same for acting also. I, I can't remember the last time I watched a movie where I was like, oof, this this is just not working for me. Versus I'm like, all right, they're doing kind of a silly accent. I'm I'm digging it. But I'm, I'm sure there are a lot that do uh, really awful ones. I will say there are, there are a lot of British actors who do very good American accents to the point where I watch them in interviews and they have their, you know, real British accent in there to me. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's weird. Uh, I think the most famous example was Andrew Lincoln of Walking Dead, who does a fine American accent. Uh, and, and obviously American accent, there's, you know, a million accents like every other region. You can't really distill it. Uh, U.S. is especially gigantic, though. Uh, and, yeah, watching him speak with his actual British accent, you're like, holy shit, you do a, a pretty solid job. <laughs> but, you know, they're actual actors. Your party was prejudiced, I know. <laughs> I had my lot fight at the server. Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to do. Watch House, then Hugh Laurie, and anything you can. Yeah, that's an excellent example. I had a Texan accent for my Cthulhu character. You know, I should do more Southern accents because those are the ones I can do the best. Obviously, they're the ones I've heard the most in my throughout my entire life. Um, I don't have too much of one naturally. My I'm actually originally from uh, Seattle, and my folks moved down to uh, Texas when I was a toddler. So I didn't really hear it too much at home, but obviously growing up with everybody, there's all kinds of accents flying around. Um, yeah, so it's it's I think it's a it's a fun part of doing uh, D and D. In fact, for uh, what was it a, a whole campaign? I did a character with kind of a, a little bit of a Spanish accent or Hispanic accent because uh, I hear that all the time as well uh, here in Texas, uh, which was uh, Kazan's character. So that was fun. <laughs> Uh, I think that is going to do it for the crafting stream right now. However, I think I, I think we've covered the house for the most part. It looks like I'm going to run it honestly as written. The only thing I have to worry about is the the tracks getting to the seller too quickly, and also I'm a little worried about Ned being too. I guess I'm just I you know I I worry. It's part of being a DM, right? We just worry how things are going to go. And I worry that the players are going to skip most of the house to get to the cellar, and that's where all the things happen, and then we're just going to lose all this content. Uh, so I guess the first thing I'd want to try to change in some way is, uh, and and maybe the key is like maybe that that cellar door is locked, although we've got two paths. Was so the trap door locked as well? And like Ned somehow has, you know, he knows where like the secret door is, or he knows something, so he can lead the players down there. With the caveat that he's going to lead them to, um, you know, be able to stab them in the back or something. That could be something I could work with. So it's stuff that I have to decide on. But in terms of the room-to-room, -room, you know, interactions, the amount of uh, puzzles and trap not really puzzles, but um, creatures, they can trigger some treasures. I, I think there's some fun stuff in there, but, uh, you know, there's also a good chunk of empty rooms as well. All right, so that is going to do it for Craft of the Deep. If you enjoy the content, please do check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. Shouts to Platinum Patrons, Joe, Will, Thomas, Stan, Brandon, Genocider, David, Eclectic, Role, Play, Role, Christopher, Brian, Corey, Coa, 1337, Big Dunt, John F., John L., Scott, Eric, Tyler, Nathan, Camp Crystal, Lake Counselor, Andrew C., Daryl, The Reldrin, Captain Woody, 79, Jaren, RGS, Stephanie, Andrew H., and P0113580, and gold patrons, RPG Paper Crafts, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Dead Lizard Lounge, Sam, Lumpy Spuds, Jerome, Nathan, Fasica, Tortoise, Scott, Refus, Count, William, Jerry, Thomas, and Prophet. Thank you all very much for your support. I'll see you for our final episode of Tomb of Horrors 
tomorrow night.